Well, I've been preaching, but I just started the recording. So you all is going to pick up in the middle of the ending of the lesson. And again, I will state uh, the lesson is a, a, a new understanding. And we're here where it says, uh, uh, be prepared. So we're getting ready to make preparation for all of these things that we talked about, how that the Messiah would return and how that the dead in Christ, the one that died holding on to the faith of the Most High God, that they will be, amen, risen up first with Christ, you know, and we all will meet him in the sky. So nowhere in the scriptures that he said they're going to come from heaven. So if they was going to be risen up, hallelujah, that means that they ain't in heaven because if they were in heaven, they would come back with him. So therefore, they're going to be risen up and they're going to be rose right up the way they was when they went down in the grave. Even as you knew them when they were laughing, amen, and talking about the Messiah, your people, my people, amen, that's how they will come again. So now we're making preparation, amen, to see them. So Paul, he starts off saying to the people, amen, the contrast between the they in verse 3 and the ye in verse four, we're talking about first Thessalonians fifth chapter. It makes clear that the focus return returns at this point to the reader of this epistle. The Thessalonian Christians, they stood in contrast to those who will not escape the destruction of the day of the Lord. And you see, we started talking about the reason for uh, uh, the Thessalonian people uh, 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 thinking the way they thought because once they had got converted and once they believed on that name, Yeshua, once they believed on the name Jesus, hallelujah, they then began to worry about the one that had died and that they were going to miss out on the blessed hope. They were going to not be around for the family reunion of the return of the Lord. Because remember, we heard that they will be caught up with him in the air and that the dead in Christ will rise first. And they were worried about, you know, what would happen to them? Would they even come behind us believers that are holding on and we see the Messiah come? And Paul comes and, and he writes and he tells them, amen, that they will, we will precede them. Hallelujah. Because the dead in Christ, First Thessalonians 4.13, the brother, we're not even concerning them that have slept off. But the Most High will bring them back with him, and we will be caught up, and so shall we ever be with him in this new heaven and the new earth that he has already, amen, prepared. So you need to be living something this morning and believing and stop letting people wash your mind to believe anything outside of that. If you keep holding on to truth, and the thing I love about this this morning is that even while you're holding on to the truth of the most, most high, he's blessing you today. So the more you believe, the more you hold on to him, amen, the more faith, the more confidence, the more power you're going to have in this walk today and not be delured and deterred from trusting, leaning, and believing that he is a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Thessalonian Christians, they stood in contrast to those 
who will not escape the destruction of the day of the Lord. And unlike those of the last days who are in darkness of sin, they all like, they, they like all follow after Christ, will not be overtaken as if by a thief in the night. So I've always said, and you hear Christians say, he shall come like a thief in the night. No, he don't come to me like a thief in the night. Why? Because I'm watching and I'm waiting, anticipating. I'm doing what he called me to do. The thief in the night is to the sinful world and all of these people that are in the church, playing church, talking about church, but don't live the lifestyle of church-going people. Church-goers, hallelujah. You have an appointed time, and our time is running out. It is up to us to preach the gospel. It's up to us to live true. It's up to us to obey the will of God. If we don't want to obey the will of God, get out of the way. Get out of the way and stop even showing up at church. Because all you're doing is luring in activity of others just like yourself. <clears throat> you don't want to live holy, righteous, and true. You know, I see so many people, <clears throat> they're not even married, but they got to go to church. Tell me, if God hates sin, how and where do you go and how long you've been going now? So I can come and I can see and hear what in the world are your pastor preaching? Because if you're not preaching repentance and deliverance, how will you know? Because it don't seem like you even know. Because if you are a man in a relationship this morning, and you've been in that relationship six months, don't even think about years, and you still haven't changed, it's not because the pastor don't preach the word, it's because you don't intend to change. So we need to obey. Obedience is better than all the sacrifices that you can do in the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The contrast continues in verse 5 and following. Paul described his, described his readers as being children of light and children of the day. Children of light are simply Christians who reflect their father, who is light. 1 John 1, 5. This description, along with that of children of the dark of the day, speak of the righteousness of believers. See, that that a believer just don't have no twofold lifestyle. Hallelujah. They're not wrong today and right tomorrow. You must continue to walk in truth, walk in righteousness, walk in his will. They have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of Christ. Colossians 1.13. Paul then switches to we. First Thessalonians 5, 5, and this and describing all believers as not of this night, nor of darkness. So right here. 
Paul begins to explain to them the characteristics of a believer that you're not going to be doing your deeds in the night. You're not going to be waiting for darkness. Evil lurks within. You're going to do your duty. That's why he said there's 12 hours of the day. And when night comes, no man can work because the worker of iniquity work at night. Hallelujah. You may have a job, amen, in the club. Well, you may not even go to work until five in the evening, six in the evening, three in the evening. Unless you are the uh, maintenance man, the butler or something. But usually, if you're working as a bartender or you're working as a dancer or whatever your position may be in this uh, 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 business, if it have anything to do with the world, it's going to be done in the night. So if it's done in the night, then you're going to deal with night watchers, people that do their deals in the night. Hallelujah. So he tells us that it's daytime to go ahead on and work out your soul salvation today. Hallelujah. So Paul, hallelujah, explained all of this to them. Hallelujah. He told me when delivered from the power of darkness there's always a power that lurks in darkness that wants to ensnare seem like a good time so child i'm going out tonight and i'm going to meet up with the girls i'm going to meet up with the guys hallelujah tonight who are we going to meet up with while it's day hallelujah what are you meeting about this morning who are you meeting about who are you meeting with what are you talking about what are you going to do while it is day, for night coming, and no man could work unless your work and your deeds of darkness. Hallelujah. He wants us to be walking in light 24-7. Hallelujah. Paul then switches. Hallelujah. As such believers, that is, Christians are not are not characterized by sin. They live in the realm of truth and seek holiness. So if you are walking around saying that you are a believer this morning, hallelujah, because anybody can say that they're a Christian. So I am not going to add that, amen, to it because you're going to quickly say, I'm a Christian, but can't know anybody walk in holiness. You can tag yourself, amen, as a Christian, as a believer. But if you are not living in holiness, you can't wear that tag. Hallelujah. And holiness is a constant. Holiness is not static. Hallelujah. You're not just standing still, amen. You know, you're not moving about, caring about your own ways. But you're going and you're known by the road that you're going up to. All roads don't lead to him. They align operatory and whosoever else said all roads lead to God. They align. Because if I don't choose to walk in righteousness and truth and in holiness, there ain't no other road that's going to get you there. If I'm twisted, amen, and I have the wrong concept and I'm living in the night doing my deed in darkness, then we know that he already told us right here in First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, that we're going to have to step the game up. Hallelujah. 
You may be the game player, but he's the inventor of the game, so he must win the game. Hallelujah. He's even greater than your poker player. You go to the casino, you like playing poker. If you win too many times, they're going to snatch that poker deal out, and they're going to throw another poker deal in, in there because I don't know how the game goes, but I've heard poker player, professional poker player, he said that, you know, they beat the game and they have to pull out of the game. But if they don't pull out of the game, you understand, but they wind up losing it all. So they greed. And see, that even lets you know right there, majority of the time, you got the upper hand and even what you're doing. And you say, I'm going to do it one more time. And that one more time, take all your dimes. Might even cost you some time. Hallelujah. Amen. Paul, he switches. And he began to describe the first the Lord the five fire to be not of the night, nor of darkness. Hallelujah. And such believers are not to sleep as unbelievers do. You know, unbelievers want to sleep all day, but to watch and be sober. Verse six in the fifth chapter. In anticipating of the coming day of the Most High, we're not to sleep, meaning to be irritated and spiritually and morally latched, doing a lazy deal. Hallelujah. This is another way of saying we are not to be spiritually unprepared for what is coming. We are to be prepared for the Lord's coming, actively watching for it with a sober, calm attitude. This perspective on the coming day, hallelujah, of the Most High uh, is again contrast to that of unbelievers who sleep in the night and are drunken in the day. Verse 7 describes these are simply statements of fact. Night is the time for sleep and also for many, the time for drunkenness. Hallelujah. So the Bible even tells us, you know, how to set our life up for the day and for the night. So no man should go about working all day and then go and find himself sitting up in a bar, you know, until he's drunk enough to fall off to sleep again. How in the world are you going to know when the when the Almighty comes? That's the reason some of you all can't even come to the program because at five, six, seven in the morning you're still asleep because of your last night because of you being in darkness too long. Hallelujah! You don't get enough rest, but you can get up and run to that job in the morning, but you cannot give him a satisfied praise. It's all because. You have not heeded to the word this morning. Hallelujah. As believers, we are of the day. Verse 8. Hallelujah. And should conduct ourselves accordingly. We will not suffer the same fate as unbelievers, but we must still guard against adopting their attitude. You see, we cannot have this attitude the way that they do that thing hallelujah we can't do that again that is a call to be sober hallelujah verse eight as we awake 
the Most High's return, we are to be in complete control of our senses. So you you got to be in control of your senses. You do, not we. You be control of your senses, and I will be control of my senses. Such a sober attitude is assured by clothing ourselves. Hallelujah. You got to close yourself with faith, with love, and the hope of salvation. If there's no hope for these attributes and for this day to come, then therefore you're going to serve yourself. Hallelujah. These virtues are crouched in military terms, like a soldier breastplate and helmet. They protect us from worldly attitudes and prepare us for our Lord's coming. Our faith in God, our love is to be expressed toward others, and our hope in this life is for eternal salvation. Hallelujah. And we're coming to a close with be encouraged. First Thessalonians 5, 9, 10, there's a great encouragement for God's people in Paul's instruction regarding the day of the Lord. We are not appointed to wrath. See, if you're living in wrath, he didn't appoint us to that thing. You're living in wrath because you've chosen to walk that walk and to talk that talk. Hallelujah. Amen. Paul explains to them, he writes, certainly it is true that we who have trusted in the Lord will not suffer, amen, eternal wrath, but rather will enjoy the full measure of salvation which was purchased by our Savior's death for us. Salvation is fully realized when all believers live together with him, whether we die or live till his coming. It doesn't matter, because if you die believing and holding on and trusting expectation of him, you still, hallelujah, is going to be caught up for your obedience. And I'm begging you and beseeching you today, my brothers and sisters, family, friends, please take heed to the message that's being taught this morning because, amen, it's very important, you see, amen, that we learn how to die and we learn how to live till he comes. The wrath mentioned here may also refer to the wrath of God poured out in the day of the Most High. If this is the case, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 offer assurance that as children of the Most High God, we not suffer. We will not suffer the judgment of that day, but will be delivered by rapture before they come. You see, we're not going to the world with World War Three and all of these things, and maybe we will. There's a clear destruction between believers and unbelievers. There's a clear distinction between believers and unbelievers at this passage. Unbelievers have no assurance regarding their future. They don't know what's going to go down. They live in anxiety. They go to all these, uh, 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 they read horoscopes. They don't know. You know what they do. You know what you do. They live with all this anxiety and self-indulgence that seeks to hide the empty hope that somehow everything will work out for their good. As believers, we must strive to be sure 
Our lives are filled with faith, hope, love, and the calm assurance that comes from knowing our Lord will return in glory to take us to himself. The future is not to be feared, but for God has revealed all we need to know about it. And in that divine revelation, that is comfort and the means of edifying, of building up one another in the body of Yahshua. First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, the 18th verse, and First Thessalonians 5 and 11. Hallelujah. And we're going to close with these questions. And I want you to, amen, to uh, get these 10 questions. What aspect of the Lord's return? concern you this morning what great what guarantees that those who have died in the lord will be raised what phenomenon will accomplish the coming of the messiah in the cloud what is the order of event with regards to the rapture what did the thessalonians already have suffered What did the Thessalonians already have sufficient knowledge about? To what does the day of the Almighty refer to in the New Testament? What figure does Paul use to describe the arrival of the day of the Lord? What contrasts are made between Christians and unbelievers? What should characterize believers as they await Christ's return? And what make the truth of Christ's return to a comfort to comfort the believer? The answer to all these questions will be found in First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, thirteen, you know, fourth chapter, and First uh, Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. I certainly hope and believe and trust that you will begin to raise up, as the world say, raise up and believe the gospel. Hallelujah. Tomorrow, as the Most High uh, would give me the wisdom, I will, amen, go to the point where it says, prepare to teach the lesson. I've already taught it, but I, I like to finish it out all of the Sunday school lesson to give you a full, a clear understanding of what's being said. I sure hope and pray that something been said and it bless you. I'll be back with Shama and the closing of the prayer. Evangelist Shama will pray for you guys. Hold tight.
Amen. Praise the Lord. We're closing out. Here's Evangelist Shama closes out in prayer this morning. Good morning. My name is Evangelist Shama Anderson. And before we get off the program, I'm going to say the morning prayer 
I like everybody to <clears throat> bow their heads and close their eyes. Mm -hmm. Lord, I thank you for waking us up another day, Lord, and letting us get into your word, Lord. Lord, I thank you for everything that you have done, Lord, and I thank you for letting us go to sleep and renewing our energy. Lord, I thank you for letting us be able to come to you this morning, Lord. Lord, that this is a priority that we do, Lord. Lord, that we willfully get on here and talk about your name, Lord. For you shall bless us for spreading your good and perfect name. Lord, I thank you in everything that you have done for us, Lord. Lord, I thank you for everybody who's online or who's listening. Lord, that they got a word. They got a specific word out of what was said this morning. Lord, I just thank you for everything that you have done, Lord. I thank you for letting me be able to come down and see my dad after two years, Lord. Lord, you have brought us back together again, Lord. Lord, that you said that your people shall not depart from you, Lord, but they shall come back to you and seek what's right. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that let us build this cough that I have be gone, Lord. Lord, and then let the cough that my dad is getting not come upon him. Lord, that if it's not of you, Lord, we shall not have it. Lord, as I pray, Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for all the wonderful works that you have done for us, Lord, putting <clears throat> clothes on our back, shoes on our feet, and a roof over our head, Lord, that some people don't have that. In the mighty name, we have you, Lord, I pray, and all God's children say, Amen. <laughs>